Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories Podcast. I'm Rita Pira, the host with the most inspiring stories that you ever did hear. Back in the day when the day was back, I was known as the juicing queen. I became raw vegan overnight after watching a documentary called Food Matters. Changing what I was putting in and on my body didn't just make me lose weight and have great skin. It gave me mind clarity, more energy, and over time made me so self-aware and intuitive that I vibrate on a higher frequency and level of consciousness that's turned me into a manifesting queen. I've lived like nine lives and have amazing stories to share that may inspire you to finally leave that toxic guy you're with that miserable job you hate, start that business you've been talking about forever, and at the very least, you'll probably start saying yes more often and eat more vegetables. I'm your tell it like you need to hear it and make you do it, sister from another mister. I've lived quite the life and have stories for days that have inspired women to transform their lives in real big ways. So I created this podcast to share my insane and unbelievable stories with the world to reach whoever needs to hear them. I'll bring on inspiring humans to trade stories with me, and I'll even have some live coaching sessions with listeners calling in. You're here because you were meant to find this podcast, this community, these raw stories. There are no coincidences. Everything happens for you, not to you. And I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's official. We hit record. We're doing this. We've got our teas and our little elephants and grumpy and gorgeous. This is my group coaching program slash podcast episode part two. <laughs> so Shirley's here, Zoe's here, Rachel's here. We're missing a few people, but we're going to get started today. I'm going to pull up the forms that you all filled out and I wanted to introduce you to Ron Interpreter. He was the shaman, the facilitator of the plant um, ceremony, ancestral, what did you want to call it? I call it ancestral teachings because it's an integration of many traditions that come into the retreat. And we do that to honor all ancestral teachings, wherever people are coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So when I posted the title of my um, episode, he was like, can you change it? <laughs> I'm like, mm, 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 no, <laughs> just kidding. You don't like to be told what to do. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> but I did it in a loving way in a, yeah. in a gesture of, you know, honoring my ancestors. And she understood that it's which is really beautiful. It still doesn't work. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> This is funny. Um, anyway, okay, so I'm going to pull up the, the type forms. As I'm doing that, I'm going to let Ron um, talk about something that um, the, the seven questions, I'm going to let you lead it however you feel called. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. So this is really, really powerful. I went through this workshop with him that um, he guided me through seven questions. And we talked about this on the first episode um, of, of our series. <laughs> and um, so we're going to talk about, he's going to talk about what that's all about. And hopefully in a way you get to apply it and get something out of it. Like I did, it's, I'm going to let him just talk about it. It was transformative, really, really powerful for me. And I'm really excited to share it with you. So Ron, take it away. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Well, uh, the idea behind the seven question is to create a uh, understanding of how we are conditioned as human beings. We're conditioned in terms of our behaviors and the practices that we have in our life. And the main elements are the main reasons for why we are conditioned this way really has a lot to do with our life experiences. And like many other species and creatures out there, 
the majority of our conditioning happens at a younger age. And then as we get into adulthood, uh, these conditions create behaviors, attributes, and traits that affect uh, how we live out our life. And uh, we get caught up in the details in, in, in our way. So in Navajo traditions, these seven questions reinforce this understanding or this philosophical existence of who we are. And we call that ehozin, ehozin. So ehozin is a state of consciousness in terms of how we are aligned to all aspects of our existence, which is also inclusive of the universe. And so ehozin is to be aligned to the universe, to all of creation, and how we bring that into our daily practice that creates behaviors as we make these choices, the traits that we have. So there's like a totality, there's a universal relationships because in our actions and what we do, it goes back out into the universe. So it's like a cyclical element. You know, we get from the universe, we process it, we then give it back. And so Ehozen helps us to create a sense of uh, sovereignty and a sense of identity of who we are. And that's all based on conditionings that we have in our experiences. So in our younger years, the major influences are these figures or these identities that we relate to, which is our mother and our father. Our mother and our father or the essence or the roles of individuals who have been either in a father role or in a mother role. There are those of us who have a biological connection, a biological relationship that is consistent in terms of our bloodline. And then we, some of us come from a place where we have been placed in a loving care of individuals who have served in that capacity but are not biologically related to us. And so we then project these father and mother figures into these individuals or, or who, whoever comes into our lives as these prominent figures. And then through their examples, through their behaviors, we then condition what is, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate. We build morals and ethics around these. We build ethicals around this. So these seven questions basically highlights these things, highlights these experiences that we have in terms of looking at the mother and father figure and identifying the traits that they've had and they've experienced. And then the aha moment is for us to see how we are very much aligned to that. The aha moment is we get then to see that these behaviors that we're having, both negative and positive, are actually conditioned based on our emotions and our identities. So two things that are really critical in terms of how we see ourselves and how we play out our choices is through the emotions that we're feeling into that moment and also these identities that we create in order for us to model very specific behaviors in, in, a, in a way. So what ends up happening is we end up projecting these emotions and identities onto us thinking that's all we are and we get stuck in those details. So a good example is looking at a very simple way is looking at the statement of sad, right? So if you're feeling sad, uh, you get caught up in this idea that I am sad. So when you make that statement, you become I am sad, meaning that's the totality of who you are. And you get stuck in the sadness and you build traits and behaviors around it because you don't see yourself any other than. And so, but there's a difference between I am sad versus acknowledging it, which is a feeling, which is I feel sad. There's a huge distinction between the two. If you feel sad, then you, there's an opportunity for you to change and shift it because it's a feeling. And in our Navajo traditions, when you practice Ahozin, when you are in Ahozin, 
feelings and identities are just that. They're registered things within our lives. They're things that register a sense of relation to the moment, capturizing, defining the moment, defining the scenario that you're experiencing at that time. So a really good example is if you watch animals, right? Animals are really great at this. They'll have a sensation. They'll live through some moment. And then seconds later, they'll shake themselves off, right? Through mm -hmm. our pets. You know, a lot of animals do that. So that's the idea behind this is that they're not living in that moment. They're shaking that off, right? Who they are or what they are is completely different and completely separate from how they are feeling in that moment. So it's a very primal, very primitive response, but it's a very authentic response. What we do as humans is we get caught up in creating that as our reality. You know, when I, when I say I'm sad, I get stuck in, I am sad and I get stuck in that feeling. So therefore I build identities around being sad. And then I say, well, this is my behavior. I response from this behavior, this becomes me. I make decisions based on I'm sad. And then as a result, it creates these life experiences that lead us down that rabbit hole. But what we do is ehozin is to see the emotion, feel the emotion, recognize the emotion, and just be that. It's an emotion. And then from that, we can then navigate into how we're going to make a decision. It's just a registered moment. If I'm sad, I say I'm feeling sad. In this moment, I'm feeling sad. And then you can then know that there's a distinction between you and what you're feeling, you being over here, this being a feeling. And then now you can respond to that moment and feel like you can actually transition out of that moment, that you can create a solution to come out of it. And so uh, that same thing with identities, you know, what is an identity? An identity could be like, I want to be a good father. The Ron interpreter wants to be a good father. So my understanding of what is a good father, what does a good father do? What are their traits? What are their personalities? What are the things that make a good father? Then I live to those, those behaviors and live to those things. So there, But somewhere in there, I got to take ownership of it. It's got to be me as an individual. It's got to be me as a person who is developing these. And I see myself not as these identities, but I, it's me as an individual. So that's what we end up doing. We go through these questions and these series to explain that. And, and it gives us a, a process to understand things, to relate to things, to get an understanding and clarity around what it is that we're creating in terms of behaviors and traits. And, and know that we can release and let that go if they don't serve us, if they're very unhealthy, we release and let that go. When we identify those emotions and identities that are actually really in our benefit and our good, we learn how to expand it. We learn how to expand into those and, and leave that even more and leverage that experience even more so that we can manifest things and beautiful things in our life. So it just brings us to a point of clarity. And um, with uh, Rita, we were able to do it on the medicine. So it's one thing to do it in a session. <laughs> <laughs> it's another thing to do it while you're on the medicine where your state of consciousness is so high. No and wonder <laughs> I was able to answer them with such ease. Exactly. <gasps> That makes so much sense because you could ask me one of these questions and I'm like, I don't know, you know, and we just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We like to say, I don't know. And then um, I learned in my, my coaching program that I'm in right now with Anat, who you just met, yeah, who is yeah. just here. Um, she's like, but what if you did know? Yeah. But what if you did know? 
And then you'd have to come up with an answer. So I shared that with the group last yeah. week, I believe. And then what you were talking about, um, like feeling the feelings and sh- and experiencing the emotion, but you are not that thing, yes. right? So like, I am sad or I am angry or I, I wrote to you, like, I'm feeling yeah. sad. I'm feeling yeah. annoyed. I'm, fe- I'm not saying I am, I am, I am. Correct. I didn't even notice that I do that. That's a, that's a good thing that just shows that I'm like disconnected from um, claiming that I am that way when yeah. it's just an emotion. So I'm really feeling the emotion itself, yeah. processed it, got over it. And here I am happy as a freaking clam, <laughs> but I was like angry and worked up and annoyed. And um, I can share about that in, in a minute, but um, yeah, I just realized when you said that I was on the medicine doing that, that makes so much sense. Why I was just like flowing. You're like, you asked the question, I'm sitting there writing just like, like magic and just flowing. Yeah. But I also felt confident in those answers because of the work I've done up until this point, yeah. especially in a knots program, it yeah. really brought things to the surface for me. And especially with like all this inner child yeah. work that we've been doing. So yeah. I think it, it made me more clear, but definitely it just smoothly flew out of my pen. Yeah. yeah Magic. Yeah. Beautiful. So I actually have my notes here Beautiful. from my seven questions. This is the notebook that I have with my seven questions. And I don't know if you want to go through them sure. or what came sure. up for me. What came up for you, for sure. Okay. So, oh, let's see. Shirley wrote something in the chat. I want to see what she said. She said, instead of saying, you make me so mad, I've changed it to, I'm allowing myself to be mad or feel mad. Good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're recognizing the energy for what it is. The beautiful thing about this is if you displace that energy and you recognize for it is it, there's an intelligence behind it. There's, there's something waiting there. You look at it, you reframe it differently and you look at it as an, as an entity, as something that has an intelligence, has some sort of a spirit. And you're over here. So now you can relate to it. You can you can relate to that experience because it's you're placing an intelligence, you're placing a value in that experience. And when you place a value in that experience and remove yourself from it, you're not caught up in it. So that's a really great to great way to rephrase that experience. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. So okay. Here we are. So the seven questions. So he asked, we're sitting in the circle at the the ceremony. And this was after day one where I was a nightmare and (laughs) everything was like, I was a shit show. I was a shit show. Was I not a shit show? You were in a, you were processing. (laughs) One of the things that I've learned growing up as a man is you don't confirm what a woman has to say. You just have to support her in that. (laughs) No, I was a shit show. I'm owning it. It's all good. Um, so that first night and then processing, thank you kindly, um, processing that. And then, um, the next day still feeling it eyes, heavy, sad, crying, miserable, moping. Everyone's like, Rita, how are you doing? And like hugging me and being so sweet. And I'm just like, Hmm. like I, I, I swear to God, I did that to a couple of people and I was just like, hmm, like just moping, just sitting in my dirty diaper. And so then, um, later you came to me and you said, you offered the treatment mm-hmm. and I took you up on that offer. We went and had that. And that's what really cleared me. And surely one of my clients here, actually got to experience your energy treatment, which I would love for her to come on and share about that in a few minutes. Um, 
but this is really, really powerful because after I cleansed and I felt good and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to participate in the second day of the ceremony. Because remember I came to you when I was, I in the middle of the first night, I saw the bowl coming back around. Like we had to take another dose of it. And I was like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, please no. And so when I came to you, I was like, do I have to? Can I please not? And you she was being as eloquently as possible to get out of the situation. <laughs> Can you tell tell them, tell them tell them about how you did the whole threshold thing? Explain that to them because when I heard you say that, I was like, well shit, now I have to do it. Yeah. So can you explain the threshold thing? Then we'll do the seven questions. Absolutely. Okay. So I had to reframe it for her so she can uh, see herself going through the process. And so what I told her was that this is your threshold in terms of how you've been resolving everything in life and how you've been showing up. This is the, the extent of it. So every time that you come with a solution, you're always meeting that threshold. You're always meeting that threshold. You haven't yet created a scenario or you haven't created the choice to step over that threshold and get into something really new this being the medicine. So this is her threshold in terms of all the things that she was doing and taking the medicine. AKA comfort zone, (laughs) comfort zone, familiar space, like, oh, reach the limit. Eh, Let's go back. Yeah. So when you reach your threshold in life, in terms of your decision-making, you're going to go horizontal or parallel to that to try to find a solution, but you're never going to find a solution because you're always going to be reenacting those behaviors. You can change the environment, you can change relationships, you can create context, whatever you want to do, but you're always going to meet that threshold. So what I was explaining to her was that she was in a state of consciousness or she created a state of consciousness, a whole newness of who she is, right? Because the medicine increased her her consciousness and her ability to to ascend so here's her ascension up in here but she was still meeting the threshold in terms of making decisions and how to deal with the resolution but her state of being was up here so i was encouraging her your state of being is up here now so feel free to step into that threshold get beyond that and 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 step into that newness that you are so that's kind of what we were explaining at that moment but I did it. I did it really simple. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't take that long to explain it to her. Yeah. But you know why? Because that's what I teach. Mm-hmm. I, I always don't I like this is what I this is what I teach. I, I am encouraging all of you to step outside your comfort zone, do the thing that's uncomfortable, like say yes to something. And so here I am going, no, you know, so I had to, I had to say yes to this. I had to, because then I would wonder what if man, what if I had done it? Where would I have been? What would I have experienced? What new level of me can is on the other side of this major discomfort, you know? So that, that threshold thing, and then me like deciding in that moment, okay, I'm going to do it. I have to. And then, you know, everything else that happened. But after the energy treatment and I got really cleansed and clear and I had this stuck energy. So there was like no energy flowing in my root chakra, like at all. And can we talk about this, please? For sure. People say chakra, but it's chakra. 
my pronunciation is, it, you know, it's, I always say chakra only because the way my mouth operates. I used to say chakra <laughs> and then I was corrected that it's chakra. Okay. And so then I'm like, okay, well, if shaman Ron interpreter is saying <laughs> chakra, then it must be chakra. And then you confused me again. So whatever, if, if I butchered that word for all of those who come from that ancestral teaching, I, forgive me. You know, it's just how I, it's how I, how we pronounce. Oh, yeah. he's so like nice and sweet <laughs> and kind. So we're getting ready for this. So he, he my friend, my coach, Anat, um, she has a program called Training Camp for the Soul, which I'm in. And she came over to my building. We have this like massage room so I reserved it for them to be able to have the treatment there and um I had to take Frankie out they were done I was like okay let's you know I'm gonna go just walk him and then I saw this place um that I posted a story about Takaya it's a modern Mexican fast casual place and every time I go there they take forever to get me my meal and when it comes and there's no one in there there's no one in there. So there's like no reason why they should be so slow. The food, I'm like, are they stoned back there? What's happening? The food comes and it's always cold. And so I walked past and I was like, I'm starving. I need to eat something. My intention was after the treatment, we would go and grab a bite. We'd come back and record a podcast. And then we would um, do a little intro to you guys in the group and like, let you meet him, ask questions or engage in some way. And um, then I just, as I was walking and I saw the place and I was like, oh, I'll just grab a quick salad real quick and, you know, just eat and then get the ball rolling so we can, you know, mm -hmm. come back. And so I'm sitting there and it's 30 minutes for a salad. I'm still sitting and I'm like, you guys, hi, hello back there. What's going on? It's just a salad. Like what is happening? And so it comes and please go look at my story. Seriously, the photo of what I received is nothing like the picture on the menu. Like at all and i'm like for 14 15 dollars this is insane and so i was like you know what you can keep it i'm good i'm gonna go home and make my own thing um if you want to refund me refund me cool and i just walked out and then i came home and i had this um quinoa tabula that i made so it's like you know salad i shared with you and i i posted a picture of that too i'm like this is why i don't go out to eat because look how pretty my food is <laughs> delicious my food is but so I, I felt myself get angry i felt myself be annoyed i felt myself sitting there um getting overwhelmed because i'm like well now i don't have time for the podcast now i don't have time for this now um Anat is in my room doing her coaching group thing and and what if i start recording and then her voice come, travels over into my recording and i'm getting like all sorts of things and I'm venting to him through text. He responds to me, beautiful. <laughs> Just the word beautiful. I'm like, what's beautiful? Like I knew he, what he was going to say. I'm just like, what's beautiful? And he goes, you. I'm like, I wanted to throw my phone. I wanted to throw my phone so hard because you know, when you're in it, it's hard to like see outside of it and just go, okay, this is really not that serious. Not a big deal. Feel your feelings, move on with your life. Don't sit in the dirty diaper. Don't sit and dwell. Don't harbor the emotion. And then I have you all to serve. So I'm like, I'm going to eat something delicious. I'm going to make my tea and I have great company and I love you guys. And I'm so excited. And so here we are and we're all good. So cheers to this. I got my elephant mug. <laughs> Yeah. So, 
Um, I'm going to pause and see if you all have any comments or questions before we get into the seven questions of my, my own experience. Anybody? No? Yes, no, maybe so. Okay. All right. So we're going to just um, review what the question was. That's okay. For sure. Okay. And then I will put what I responded and you guys already know this. Um, if you know, you've been in this group long enough or listened to my podcast. So question one was list as many positive traits that you've seen with your mother and father. So your mom's positive traits, your father's positive traits. So just like listing them out. So for me, I put my mom was giving and just like flow stream of consciousness, like don't overthink it. Right. You just like, just yeah. write down whatever comes to mind. So the first one for my mom was giving, nurturing and big heart. That's what I wrote for my mom. And then for my dad, I wrote spontaneous risk taker, big heart, outgoing people person. So that was it. Easy, super flowy, simple to answer. And the second question he asked me was to list as many negative traits that I've seen in my mom and my dad. And so again, you know, I just listed my mom, listed my dad. And so my mom, I put self-sacrificing, people-pleasing, worrying about what people think, scarcity mindset, things like that. And then for my dad, I put bad with money, kind of careless, racist a little bit. <laughs> and he drinks, smokes, and gambles. <laughs> I see the unfolding happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, for the third one, um, transfer circles over. What did I write? Uh, that was to transfer everything over. to. This oh, point. okay. So then... Um, bringing everything over to, to combine those two columns of my mom. So my mom is giving, nurturing, self-sacrificing, people-pleasing. And my dad, um, oh, you're supposed to circle the top two or the two that were the most, yeah. okay. So I circled the two that were the most um, relevant or prevalent or whatever. So giving, nurturing, self-sacrificing, people-pleasing. That's my mom's side. And then my dad is spontaneous, worst taker, bad with money, kind of careless. Okay. <laughs> and then the fourth thing was, what I most wanted as a child and didn't get enough of. This was such a powerful question for me because it, it connected to what I realized that I didn't get from the coaching program that I, that I'm in. I did this like inner child healing. I'm like bawling my eyes out, crying, pretending I am my seven-year-old self having a conversation with my mom, telling her what I need and I'm not getting. And that's when I realized that what I'm writing here is what I learned from that, but it also flowed out of me like magic. Like it just, that was the answer. And for me, it's words of affirmation and emotional connection. My mom is the biggest nurturer, self-sacrificer, giver, lover, but she never said, I love you. She never put her arm around me or sat me on her lap or, or said, you know, you are so, you know, kind and beautiful and sweet and whatever, like no affirmations at all and no real emotional connection. And I didn't realize that that's what I didn't get until now reflecting back, you know? Um, anything to comment on any of this so far, Ron? I love how you presented it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, thank you. You know, I was a teacher back in the day when the day was back. Yeah, yeah. I think she won an award being a teacher. Too. I did. It's right over here, actually. It's the Silver Apple Award in Arizona. Yes. Yes. Where, where I'm from. Yeah. Arizona. Beautiful. 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 You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> 
Oh, we should take the show on the road. <laughs> if they can tolerate us. And we have to take Frankie with us too, because he's becoming a uh, he's becoming the mascot. He really is, yeah. <laughs> so um, what I wanted most as a child and did not get enough was words of affirmation and emotional connection, which equated to love in my mind, right? And then the next one was as a child, I had these negative feelings. So what negative feelings did you have as a child? For me, what I was thinking when I was a child was I'm ugly because I was bullied really bad. I was called teen wolf and the kids would see me walking from, you know, the park to the school yard or whatever. And they would see me and they would howl like a wolf. They'd go, ow, 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 A-T-W. Like they even called me T-W. They couldn't even say the whole name, teen wolf. Like I had really massive eyebrows, hairy arms, a super dark skin, really thick hair. And that movie was, I guess, relevant at the time. So I was Teen Wolf, guys. Yeah, that was fun. So I was like, I'm ugly. I would go home crying every single day from school. It was miserable. And so no one likes me. Everyone hates me. And that was me, you know, trying to get everyone to like me in school and be my friend and all those things. Um, and I also wrote, I have to be perfect to be loved. That was the perfectionist in me and needing to um, be approved of or loved or um, to, I guess, win my mom or my dad's, you know, affection or approval. And because of all the restrictions growing up, you know, being a Syrian and, you know, going to church, having to dress a certain way and, you know, not have friends that are boys and things like that. So I remember telling my mom, like, so should I, should I be a lesbian since you won't let me have like friends that are boys? And should I just date women? Is that what you want? I'm confused. You know, like mm -hmm. boys are not allowed. So are women allowed only? And then she looked at me like she wanted to smack me. So it was funny. Um, and then the other thing as a child, my negative feelings were, we're poor. Like I knew we didn't have money, but we weren't poor, but I knew we didn't have money. Right. Like, you know, and I put, I'm not good enough in, I'm insecure. I'm sad. I'm scared. I'm worried. And I was a brat and I shut down and I just like closed off. So that was my negative feelings. I don't know if I did that right, but because so. yeah. they're not all necessarily feelings. They were also like, yeah, um, experiences in a way, but they're also kind of feelings. Yeah. So in this, what we, what we, what I ended up doing was coaching her. What are the feelings behind these scenarios that she's describing? Mm. So a really good example would be um, we, you know, the idea of poor, because I can relate to that. So what is being poor? That's a scenario. It's not so much a feeling. So you have to look at that scenario, that event or that life experience and say, what does it generate in terms of a feeling? So for me, poor was being, uh, being um, the emotions that I had was uh, abandonment or abandonment also means sad. So I deduced it down to being sad. Mm. Being poor is associated with the feeling of sad. Mm -hmm. So you want to create the emotions around it, not so much the scenario. Ooh, you did that when I was on the table yeah. during the energy treatment with, uh, do you remember what the word it started with? And then you, we like deduced it all the way down to. I can't, I don't know the name. I don't know the word you use. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember the word. It was so good though. Like yeah. you had me really work back the feeling and the thought of what the emotion was. And what were you asking me though, to work it backwards? So the idea there was um, like, say if you use the word sad, we'll just use that as an example. So by repeating that and feeling into that feeling sad, I am sad. You then ask the individual what else comes up besides that, or what does sad 
what images, what sensation comes up. And then sad may lead to, well, I'm, the image that's coming up for sad is crying. Well, what does crying mean? So you keep going through that process until it leads to the polarity of what sadness is. And then that polarity is what will be comparable to feeling sad. Yeah. I remember saying disconnected fear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So all these different words were coming up as I was just like feeling into my body, eyes closed, expressing my emotion, expressing what I'm feeling. And then him asking me a question to go a layer deeper and peel it back, peel it back, peel it back. So definitely um, if you are feeling anger, okay, what would you ask them? So if someone is feeling anger, they're angry towards somebody, what would you ask them? I would ask them to feel into anger, what images, what sensations coming up. The idea there is the more that you feel into those sensations, it brings that feeling to the surface. It slowly is removing you from it moves you from the feeling so the more that you speak into anger it may come up as being sad anger may come up as being isolated so the more that you feel into that experience you're pushing that away from you and some and it, and it comes to a place that you can identify with once it's outside of you that's basically the exercise is what you're doing awesome frankie's trying to be part of the show <laughs> okay. So then the next thing was to list major childhood frustrations. So I was frustrated seeing my mom unhappy. I was frustrated with my dad being super strict. I was frustrated because I couldn't sleep over at friends' houses. I was frustrated because I couldn't have or didn't have any freedom at all. I was frustrated because I had to go to church every Sunday in Sunday school. And I was frustrated because I was told that I had to only date Assyrians or marry an Assyrian guy. And I was frustrated because we weren't rich and didn't have money. Um, and I was frustrated with my dad coming home late or not at all. So these were some examples that came up for me with my childhood frustrations, the major ones. And then the last thing was to list traits or feelings that you have when you react to those frustrations. So the feelings um, or the traits that I noticed was I was sad. I was worried. I was fearful. I felt like, um, oh, resentment. And like I was missing out on life and missing out on connections. Mm -hmm. So then um, the next thing that he asked me or was to, uh, let's see, when I'm acting out these patterns, um, I'm troubled with blank or when these patterns are displayed or evident around me. like. Mm -hmm. So going back to the second question, listing as many negative traits, right? So those negative traits. So when I'm acting out these negative traits, what I'm troubled with or what the patterns are, are basically people pleasing. When I'm acting out people pleasing, I'm having trouble with avoidance. Mm -hmm. When you see the behavior happen by others, it triggers you. So when I see other people being people pleasers, it triggers me. When you see someone being whatever way that you have trouble with, it triggers you. Yeah. That was mind blowing to me <laughs> when I realized, because like, for example, Shirley, my love is a big time, beautiful people pleaser. She's like such a nurturer, such a giver, such a people pleaser. And it, it's like, I want to shake her like, oh, Shirley, no, you know, but, <laughs> but it's me too. And that's why, right? Like, 
you recognize the energy. Mm -hmm. she, so she recognizes it in you mm -hmm. because she's aware of the feelings. She's aware of the energy. She, she's aware of the traits that you're speaking into that are related to this thing called people pleaser. So she gets triggered by it. And it's 644 on the dot. Hey, <laughs> Shirley. Shirley is now, she's so in alignment and in flow with things like she's really stepped into this more powerful and um, independent yeah. kind of confidence that she's exploring and finally taking action on things. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was just kind of, listening absorbing but no action yeah. now there's so much action and she's like glowing beautiful yeah so i'm curious to hear about your experience with her treatment if you don't mind sharing shirley or do you want him to share or both of you tag team this <laughs> shit um yeah so with uh with the sharing uh shirley you know i always leave it to my clients to tell their stories tell their experience i want to honor them in saying that so uh, if you're willing to share, it's up to you. Uh, on my end, I'm complete. I really enjoyed what I saw and I appreciate how you worked through that. That's what I would speak to. <laughs> and remember, this is going on the podcast, so don't say anything <laughs> that you're not okay with. <laughs> Hit record. <laughs> Stop recording. <laughs> uh, what do you want to know? Well, just, you know, whatever you feel called to share, whatever your experience was, and if anything came up or something released, like that would be awesome to hear about, because it was really, really, really powerful for me. So I'm curious what it was like for you. To quote Ron, it was beautiful. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think kind of confirmed. Um, some things about, you know, that I do things sort of seeking love in return and don't always get it back. Um, what you're talking about with your mom really resonates um, with me about the not hearing I love you. And um, I don't know, I, I try to go back to my childhood and think about some of that stuff because she always told me that I didn't like to be held as a baby that mm. I run off. And so that kind of puzzles me, but, um, I know she loves us, but she wasn't a very, like you're saying the, I love you affectionate kind of mom. Yeah. But you know, she was our girl scout leader and, you know, did things for us, but anyway, um, was there was there energy stuck somewhere that was released? Yeah, there yeah, was. there was when he was working on my feet. There was some knots or something. I remember you were. Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean when you have that in your feet, Ron? So uh, in in uh, in our Navajo traditions, there's this uh, association with the universe, that the body is a natural extension of the universe, that we are a product of the universe, so to speak. And so since we're a product of the universe, we mirror the universe. Just as there's that saying out there, they say, I mirror you, you mirror me. Mm. Well, we also mirror the universe too. So there are different uh, celestial points on our body or spiritual points or chakras or auras or 
Ayurvedic meridian lines. There's these things that are on our lines that mirror the astrological elements of the universe. And so what I was doing with her and also with uh, Annette was pushing those trigger points on the body that are celestially or spiritual lines or spiritual points. And so that's how we identify with the universe. So very simple is your feet's on the ground. So that's where you get a lot of the foundational in terms of your existence. And that's relating to Mother Earth. So Mother is a very fundamental foundational experience that we have in our lives. So the feet being touched with Mother is where's that energy flow? Where is that happening? So aligning the body with the essence of Mother then creates that association, that cognitive relationship of what's happening. So the reason why mother, which is a nurturer, and for you, it came up as love. And so we had to reground you in the essence of love by pushing that on your feet, mm. because your feet touches mother earth, because it's the uh, maternal ex uh, nurturing experience that you're longing for. And it wasn't happening for you. It was something that was bypassing you and it was coming up in a different way. So we had to work on those, po those points of your feet so that you're receiving that nurturing a little bit more. In a really simple context, that's basically what we were doing. And so love came up as a primary need for you, which is a foundation, needs or foundations that we stand on. These are things that are non-negotiable. There are things that we need in our life that determines our existence. And so when these needs are not being met, we look for it elsewhere. We create behaviors that we learn over time. And these behaviors gets us to looking for love elsewhere. And sometimes when we look for things outside of us, we have a tendency to compromise ourselves just to have it. So that was the whole kind of experience that we're having with this particular treatment. That was a mic drop. Did you guys catch that last line there? Do you even know what you just said? Uh, looking for experiences elsewhere part yeah of it, when we're when we're looking for love outside of us or external outside of us we're compromising yeah. ourselves so yeah when we're looking for things outside of us then we're compromising ourselves to mm -hmm. access it which leads to behaviors that you know compromise our ethics our morals or values or overextends ourselves, which is people pleaser right people pleasing is a behavior and a trait that allows us to overextend ourselves to the point just to see and feel validated. That's people pleasing. Mm -hmm. So the frustration is I'm freaking tired, you know, of all doing this. I have to extend myself just to be able to get you to acknowledge me, just to be able to, for you to see me. I'm extending myself. Oh my gosh, I, there's so much work in this. So that's the frustration, which will lead to maybe offering things that you may be outside of your ability, offering things that are outside of your 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 ability to provide and so that's where compromise starts happening too so you're so you're reaching for something outside of you whereas is if you generate it for yourself and you feel into the love of who you are then there's no need to provide that there's no need to look beyond that you know you allow that to come into your life the more you bring those uh feelings into your life the more you bring that into who you are then the less that you look for it outside then it becomes who it becomes you. And that's where law of attraction will come in. You become that, then it starts coming to you. It starts coming to you. There's a switch in the energy. Yeah. Magnetic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, Shirley, do you feel complete? Anything else you'd like to share with us with your experience with Ron? Well, that um, 
Oh my God. That song that came up that I sent you the lyrics to, there was, there was a line that said, um, there never seems to be quite enough floating around to fill your loving cups. That kind of reminded me of, you know, not getting my cup filled. Yeah. You got to fill your own cup because you can't pour into someone else's when yours is empty. And that's where you begin to feel resentment and things like that. And what you're seeking surely by doing for people, by doing so much for people and all the people pleasing and all of that, I I can relate because all you want is appreciation. You just want to feel appreciated and that makes you feel loved. But then there are times where you don't even feel appreciated. And it's like, I'm doing all of this and I'm still not feeling full. My cup is still not full. And in fact, it's depleting you because it's taking energy from you instead of pouring energy into you, flowing into you. Yeah. And I I lived through that too myself, so I can relate. I was totally a people pleaser at one point in time in my life, so I could relate. And uh, it's really beautiful to see you witness, for me, it's really beautiful for me to witness you coming to that connection Mm -hmm. and working through that. Yeah, so it was really, it was great. Awesome. And I felt very uh, light and happy and sort of airy afterwards. Yeah, I did too. I really (laughs) did too. That's why when when he finished with me, I looked up at him and I was like, how much do I owe you? Like a thousand dollars? Like truly, I was like, this needs to be shared with the world. And that's why when um, I had this idea to connect with him after, you know, the retreat and whatnot, um, so many things flowed to us, like the idea for a, a monthly retreat, like first weekend of the month to start everybody strong and light and airy and in flow and cleared and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that came up and then I was like, we need to do a podcast. And I had been so like, I want to say lazy where I would think about doing a podcast and I'd be like, nah, and then I just wouldn't do it. And it was like October, November, December, January. And there's like no podcast from Rita. And so suddenly I'm energized. I'm lit up. I'm in this creation is what the word was that came up for me during the session and during the ceremony and all of that was creation. And in my numerology, I'm turning a corner at the end of this month. So it's like stepping into a whole new thing. And I've never, ever, ever recorded a podcast and cranked it out so damn quick in my life. Like, and then part two, and then like, it's just flowing. So I, I noticed that that treatment that really cleared me so much that I was walking around like I was floating. Mm. I was walking around like I was truly in alignment and one with my spirit, one with my soul and really, really connected. I was like, I need this again. Where do you live? Can we do this once a month? And then the retreat popped into my mind and that's how that flowed. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, I go off on tangents and I forget the things we were talking about. So Shirley, do you feel complete or do you have more to share? I would love to hear more if you have more. You're good. Thumbs up. Awesome. Okay. So the next part of the seven questions. So we, we talked about when we're acting out these patterns and for me, it was people pleasing and it's being avoidant. 
Um, and then the next thing was I've spent my entire life acting out these patterns. This is like deep, deep rooted conditioning. So you go back to number three, and these are the ones that basically showed up in my mom and my dad, like me, I spent my entire life acting out these patterns of being giving, of being nurturing, of being people pleasing and self-sacrificing and being spontaneous and being a risk taker and being bad with money. I would argue that I've been really, really good with money just because I've been allowing myself to spend it like in it, like, like not caring, like it's endless. It's abundant. I have an endless amount of it. I say yes to things. I put myself in debt to become the woman that I am today, to join different coaching programs, to hire coaches, to live in an environment that really elevates my vibration. Um, I, I legit like put myself in debt by putting things on credit cards and saying the words, it'll come back to me times 10. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. And it always does. But if I never did invest in myself, I wouldn't be who I am. There, There's no way in hell I would live in the apartment I live in, drive the car that I drive, have a coaching program and one-on-one clients and a shaman sitting next to me. <laughs> like none of this would be real. And Frankie. And Frankie. Well, Frankie, Frankie was, uh, after I left a toxic narcissistic relationship and I declared, I'm going to love myself and get myself a puppy. <laughs> That's why Frankie happened. <laughs> He's so funny. Can you kiss it? Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, and, uh, and an elephant mug. Elephant mug. Yeah. Okay. So then the last, I think this is the last part. Oh no. So then it goes, this is subconscious and underlying roots of your motives. So which one is that number four? And this is your Dharma. So the question number four was what I most wanted as a child and did not get enough of. So this is what your Dharma is, your purpose, the thing you did not get enough of as a child. That is what you're looking to create in your life. So look at this, right? Think about this. Think about our coaching group and what you get out of it from me or my podcast, listening to the podcast, what you get from it. And remember what my, my two words, my two things were of what I most wanted as a child and didn't get enough of words of affirmation and emotional connection. So those two things, would you not say you get a ton of in this group and from the podcast? That is what I give because I didn't get. And that is what I'm creating because I didn't have. So what is it in your life from your childhood that you didn't get enough of? And where are you creating that? And if you're not, that's what you should be creating because that's in alignment with what your soul desires. Anything to add there? I think you did great. That's perfect. <laughs> stamp of approval. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So then, um, let's see, where are we? Okay. Then the next one is when my needs are not met, I have these feelings or triggers. So going back to, um, the fifth question, and that was the negative feelings that I had where I was like, Oh, I'm ugly. I'm not good enough. I'm insecure. I'm, 
uh, no one likes me. Everyone hates me. I have to be perfect to be loved. And I'm sad and I'm worried and I'm fearful and all these things. So when my needs are not met, I have these feelings or triggers. So when I was at the ceremony Mm -hmm. and I was feeling like I didn't have an emotional connection and I was feeling like I just wasn't connected. Right. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately is what led me to, to feeling triggered, to feeling that inner child coming out to play like it did in Costa Rica, where Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck this place, fuck everybody. I don't need any of you. (laughs) This ugliness came out, man. It was dark. I was like, who am I right now? It was like the Rita before she did any of this work. Mm. It's weird. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. And that's why I didn't want to take the second dose because I was like, I don't want any more of this. (laughs) I want to go back to happy, joyful, lit the fuck up, Rita. (laughs) You know? But so these are the conditions or no, when your needs are not met, these are the feelings that you have when you're triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And your needs is what Ron said to me. He said, your needs are primary and foundational to your existence. So like things like your morals, your ethic, ethical behaviors or ethics and behaviors, things like the five love languages, these are fundamental things that you need in your life. Those are your needs. And when your needs are not met, you have these feelings or triggers. Mm -hmm your reactions when you have those triggers so if i go back to the seventh question ah list the traits or feelings that you have when you react to those frustrations so those are your reactions this is how you react like you're resentful you're sad you're worried you're fearful you shut down you close off like whatever your reactions were that you listed that's what happens when you're triggered And the one thing that he said to me that really stood out that I think I I shared something similar last week in the group was that what you learned from your parents or from your childhood is what you learned and you can unlearn it. Mm -hmm. It is not you. Mm -hmm. It is just simply what you learned. So he said, these are conditions that you learned and you can unlearn them. They are not you. And creating like an affirmation with that. Can I tell them that one? Sure. Okay. So write down this affirmation and make it your own. Rather than waiting, I'm dedicating my life to dot, dot, dot. And this should be the thing that you were not getting enough of from your childhood. What the, what was the thing that you most wanted as a child and didn't get enough of? So rather than waiting, I'm dedicating my life to that. Mm -hmm. For me, it's emotional connection and love. (laughs) And so this way you get to create new behaviors You get to create new traits, create new life experiences that are centered around that, and then create morals, values, ethics that are connected to it and all of that. It just tends to, you you basically create your new life revolving around that piece of what you didn't have. You get to make that your whole life. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) why are you even here (laughs) just to give me words of affirmation no i'm kidding (laughs) i'm your shaman you call me (laughs) 
So don't discount your what you're what you're doing for yourself. This is funny. <laughs> Look at my brain on medicine. Did you show them that? No. <laughs> okay. This... <laughs> oh my god. Oh. so so look so my my notes are Frankie I swear I swear <laughs> so here so my notes are generally like okay my handwriting is generally okay right okay <laughs> but this is my brain on medicine it's all over it's it's like chicken scratch all over the place I can't even make sense of it fascinating fascinating um I connected the seven questions that he did with me, that workshop, and I learned that I needed emotional co connection, yet I repel it. And it's also what I look for and look to create in my life. Mm -hmm. The irony. Yeah. Why do we do that, Ron? That's what we're conditioned, right? Mm -hmm. So we're responding to, we're responding to stimulus that creates a sense of uh, ease, a sense of understanding of who we are. So we're always responding to stimulus, either as repelling it or accepting it. And sometimes the majority of the times, uh, what you're repelling is exactly what you're wanting and needing for yourself. Yeah. And that's why I was pushing people away. Yeah. I wanted them to come to me and to support me, but I was pushing them away. Don't we kind of do that in relationships too? Like you are dating somebody and you want attention from them and then you want them to chase you. Right. It's kind of like the, the feeling of being chased <laughs> idea in ceremony to do a podcast with you. There you go. I wrote it down. It says it here living. You guys proof. So she manifest that you bit. said something that made me go. That gets to be an episode. Twelve states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. So in Navajo traditions, uh, we have 12 states of consciousness everywhere from basic analytical observation to uh, higher states. So there's 12 levels to the point where on the 12th level, you're just becoming nothing. You become part of the universe. And it's our consciousness, which is gained through meditation, different forms of altered states of consciousness. So there's 12 levels. And I remember you mentioned spiritual experience and human experience, like two separate mm -hmm. ways of being. Mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned something that is very in alignment with what I teach. The healthier your gut, the more clear your mind works. Mm -hmm. And for me in 2010, when I became raw vegan, literally overnight for a whole year, I was only putting in raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And granted, I was creating really beautiful things. Like if you go super, super far back in my Instagram, you'll see yeah. nothing but raw food creations with like the limited things that we had back in 2010 yeah. compared to what we have now. And, you know, so much now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, within a few weeks, a month, I, I was seriously like floating. Yeah. I was in college at the time and the students in the class with me, I remember feeling like they're zombies. Yeah. I was like you and your coffee and your energy drink. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I need to help. I need to help. I wanted to help so bad, but I was so new to it that I it was coming across as like, preachy and also like i'm better than you energy because i was mm -hmm. young and you know didn't know any better yeah. and so then i just kind of stopped trying to help people and let it just be my own thing yeah and then now people are coming to me with questions like rita you were right what juicer do you recommend and how do you eat raw how do you eat vegan and i'm like hmm <laughs> do you want to book a session because <laughs> i can't tell you in just some text message yeah. <laughs> but yeah anyway so Ron, anything else you'd like to share with 
this lovely group here or people that are going to listen to this on the podcast? Well, well I just want to just echo what uh, Rita has experienced and um, beyond just the lessons that we're receiving here that, you know, this is an opportunity for us to come together and work together. I'm really excited about that. And I do want to share why that is, is because for me as an individual, one of the things that I've learned over the years, uh, especially doing life coaching over the last five years or so, is I love witnessing humanity's healing. I really like to see how individuals are shifting in these different states and how these individuals, humanity is really making a difference for them lives. So in Navajo traditions, we're always expanding the universe. We as human beings, that's our role. That's our responsibility. That's what comes out of us is we're giving back to the universe and the universe is always going to be expanding. So how we expand that or what our contribution is in Navajo traditions is that's our gift. That's our gift back to the universe. That's our gift back to the world. Not so much just limiting to humanities, not just limiting to the ecology of the earth, but to the universe in general, that's our gift. So we got to see that whatever we're gifting, whatever we're offering, whatever's coming from us through our attributes, through our behaviors, through our professionalism, through our identities, the roles that we pick up, that's all leading, that's all giving back to the universe, you know? And so we want to be as authentic as we possibly can, knowing that's how big of an impact that we have with the universe. It's also the idea that that's, we're breathing life into the future. We're breathing the life into the existence of the kids that we're going to be giving birth to or the future kids that are going to be existing. We're creating their realities 10 years from now. We're creating the realities for the grandkids who are coming before that, you know, beyond that. So that's how big that we have to be and see ourselves. And so for me, witnessing the healing of that, witnessing an alignment with that for people is really beautiful to see. And uh, to see the evidence of it, like in, even her, her treatment on the table, oh my gosh, it was beautiful to see uh, in that moment, in that present, how the universe was showing up in different aspects. The wind coming at a certain time when she was releasing and letting go, the disturbance that was happening, the disturbance in the force <laughs> that was happening uh, in that moment, right? All that stuff. So the, how the universe just aligns with us. So for me to witness that as a, as a practitioner and for me in terms of my capability to see that, I love it. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, hopefully that we can uh, make this happen for a lot of folks and giving them the opportunity to align themselves. And so the idea of doing a retreat, idea of working together is so profound. It's so beautiful. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So I was thinking that it would be Thursday, which I have my group and we're going to meet in person um, starting like the first weekend of every month in Shirley's, um, Shirley's shop. And so I was thinking we would do this on Thursday. And if you wanted to be a part of it, and I don't know if they'll let everyone take a vote, if they prefer it, just be me doing the coaching the way I typically do it or having you be a part of it. If they feel like maybe sometimes, or I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, But then also that being on Thursday and then our retreat would be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And so it would be in LA. Yeah. Both. Looking at LA. How perfect, right? Like Los Angeles. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. This lights yeah. it lights me up. Like it's yeah. something that I've thought about and planned. And I even have a wait list for a retreat, but I just mm-hmm. never actually started creating it. Mm-hmm. And then it's creating itself mm-hmm. since the ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what, what I'll be offering there is this treatment that we talked about that Shirley 
was receiving and also Annette that was receiving. And the way that comes out is um, the validation of me regrouping and reoffering that. Uh, I haven't done it in like over two and a half years. I haven't done it. I moved away from that treatment. It was just not something that at the time was uh, meeting my needs or meeting the meeting humanity's needs. So I stopped doing it. And then to be able to offer it intuitively to Rita has led into me really stepping into bringing that treatment back, which is a lot aligned to the Navajo traditions, this thing called hand tripling, and also the contemporary practice of pressure points, and then also working with the energy in that sense. So it's been really, really nice to be able to do that. So this is a treatment that I'll be offering regularly during those, uh, re uh, those retreats. And then also uh, in our Navajo traditions, we always say that medicine, everything, all types of medicine, songs, teachings, uh, sage, uh, plant medicine, all of this stuff is medicine. It's been given to humanity by a female deity. So my first treatment coming back was by a female who received it. And in that way, it's an alignment as to how I think from a universal standpoint is saying yes. You know, It's amazing how like just by seeing that I needed it or feeling that the universe was like guiding you to serve an offer and you thought that you were supposed to offer the charcoal from the yeah. ceremony to someone or and then you just started walking toward and then you stopped and said Rita yeah <laughs> would you how did you even ask me I don't even remember but like you offered basically this energy treatment yeah and then Jacob was in the pool right at, at our on the, toward the to the side and he said I would take him up on that if I were you and I was like let's go <laughs> and we just went over to that table, the massage table that happened to be there. The sun was shining. The birds were chirping. The lawnmowers started running like crazy. And the wind started blowing like crazy. And a fly landed on my lip. Like, you guys, it was so, in, like, we were co-creating with nature. Mm -hmm. It was magic. Mm -hmm. My mind was blown the entire time at different like points he was pressing on my body, like my feet or my legs. And he's maneuvering my leg because my root chakra is completely blocked, like no flow at all. And for a very, very, very valid reason, which I shared with yeah. you on the table, bawled my eyes crying. Anytime like he worked somewhere, I started crying or started talking about something. So it was like very in alignment, very connected with the the energy centers mm -hmm. you mentioned that the body has like spiritual yeah. like energy centers or spots where he was pressing or massaging and it was moving the stuck emotions and i was releasing so um shirley said i had no idea that you hadn't been doing them until i listened to the podcast today that's why i'm wearing red today uh, oh beautiful yeah so you're the you're the second to receive it shirley <laughs> yeah, you're the second to receive. And then Anat was here and she was the third. And you know, what's really funny is that you, um, you offered, you're like, I'm going to be in LA. And if there's, you know, I could do three sessions for people in your network, Rita. And I just put it out there. Mm -hmm. I didn't like try to find you people or anything. I put it out there and I shared my experience briefly. And if whoever was called came to and it happened mm -hmm. for the people that needed it and were called to it yeah and it's it's magical how that even happened and yeah. it, i'm so grateful that like you were in the la area and you got to serve 
my client. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. She did great. Shirley did great. So <laughs> proud of you, Shirley. And so with that, I want to like cut it off here for the podcast. Um, I think that was good, but I want to delve into our, our forms and get some hot seat going. So going through our questions, you're welcome to stay if you'd like. Absolutely. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed part two. There will definitely be a part three. And Ron and I have put together a retreat that is happening June 2nd through the 5th. On the 2nd, it'll be my group coaching live in person, which is really exciting. And if you sign up, we only have about eight spots left at the time of this recording. If you do sign up and you pay in full, you get access to my group coaching program for the entire month of June. And you get a kit, a a welcome box with all my favorite things, especially a journal, a pen, crystals, sage, made by Ron, handmade, which is amazing, and more. So with that, I will leave you. I love you. Thank you for listening. I hope this served you. Post a review and let us know what you love about this podcast or what this episode brought for you. DM me, let me know, connect with us in the Facebook community, on Instagram at Raw Vegan Rita and at Ron underscore interpreter. We'd love to connect with you and hear how this episode may have served you. And we'll see you next week. Bye.